the talent acquisition is very much about the soft skills and being able to build relationships, being able to interact with, you know, all different types of people from different industries, different backgrounds at different levels. This is The Talent Show, a new podcast series from FT Talent, a hub of innovation from the Financial Times. It's hosted by under-30s for the under-30s around the world. This second series is about all the aspects the FT organization is covering today, from editorial to development, from data to talent. I am Virginia Stagni, and this is a guide we designed to inspire you to be the one driving innovation and change. Welcome to the show. A new episode of The Talent Show. Hi, Cherry. How are you today? Hi, I'm really well. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being part of The Talent Show. So this new part of The Talent Show that is coming out every Monday is uh, all about, you know, career tips. And it's really something that we have been doing uh, since uh, uh, a few weeks uh, now. But we are doing a deep dive in into the Financial Times. So it's really uh, lovely to have, uh, you know, some of our experts and uh, our uh, top talent here at the uh, the FT to join uh, uh, the the show. And uh, today we are going to go a bit into talent acquisition. So into something that uh, is really um, Cherry's uh, area of expertise. It's uh, really a great pleasure to have you here. We have been working a bit together as well on uh, on FT Talent. So uh, I'm really happy uh, to to have you part of the show. How has been uh, the last few weeks for you? Yeah, good. So I think we are we're busy hiring um as ever at the FT. Um so I've been spending my time interviewing prospective candidates, arranging um, you know, interviews for them to come on site and meet people from across the FT, working on sort of wider kind of project-based work um, as well, as well as managing the talent acquisition function here at the FT. So yeah, it's been good. I, I mean, we're sort of constantly busy, constantly on our toes, but um, it's, it's great and it's always exciting. No, thank you so much, Terry. Uh, and uh, I really hope that you can share a bit of the insights on what does it mean doing a talent acquisition at large and the specific specifically for a news organization. But Cherry, um, I would like to start from you. So um, Cherry Ainsworth is our global head of talent acquisition here at the Financial Times, and you studied geography at university. So you started a bit differently in terms of like career path. You really did not enter directly into maybe, you know, talent, uh, HR or management um, specifically. I would like to know a bit more about your career path. Yeah, so interesting question. So, I mean, I, I studied geography at university and I I guess my thought process or my reasoning behind studying geography was not necessarily because I wanted to go into that field. I was good at it in school. I got good A-levels in, in geography. So I thought, you know, I know I want to go to university. Um, and I ended up studying geography and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I went to the University of Southampton. Um, but I think as many people do when they come out of school or university and they finish their education, they're not really sure mm-hmm. what's next. Um, and I sort of fell into a recruitment role at the time. So this was 12 years ago now. Um, there was lots of kind of graduate recruiters roles advertised. So I started off working for a recruitment agency, which is a company which places people and candidates into other organisations. Um, so I was working with lots of companies, specifically in like the marketing um, industry, to place candidates with them, um, which was super exciting. I think I... 
I kind of took to recruitment like a duck to water, really. Um, I loved the people element of it, meeting new people, meeting candidates, meeting prospective employees, you know, building relationship with clients and different organizations and finding out, you know, what sort of people they were looking for and, um, you know, finding out about how different companies did different interview processes. It was all really, really interesting. Um, and I, yeah, I loved that. And I loved that sort of the, the satisfaction or the sense of pride that I felt when, you know, I placed someone into a job. Um, I love calling someone up and saying, you've got the job and they're yeah. so happy and excited. And, um, you know, it makes someone's day or week or month or year and it can, it can change someone's life, really. So um, I found that really, really rewarding. I spent sort of, I think, four and a half, nearly five years um, in this recruitment agency that I was referring to. And then I decided I, I love recruitment. I love the people element of it. Um, but I really wanted to do that for an organization directly. So I moved into internal recruitment. Um Spent a couple of years working at um, different organizations, worked for a media agency, worked for a couple of tech startup scale up yeah. type environments um, and then moved to the FT three and a half years ago now um, and came into the FT um, to set up our talent acquisition function um, and build out a team so that we could do all of our recruitment directly and in-house. Um, and it's been a super exciting journey. And I think here, you know, we can highlight a lot of key key topics. One is about, of course, you can develop at schools and university your hard skills, but uh, sometimes you need to leverage maybe a bit more to the soft skills to really find uh, your 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 area of expertise and the things that you really want to build a career upon. And uh, I think it's quite important, um, and that has been definitely a, a red thread in all of the, the, the podcast show here, is the human capital element. So if there is uh, anything that we need to develop or better understand to look at where a, an industry is going, where a field is going, is looking at talent. Because if we want to implement innovation, we know it's all about the people that you bring in. So I would, I would really love to know a bit more about your key responsibilities here at the FT. What does it mean to have set up a global TA function? Yes, good question. Um, so I guess... You know, primarily my responsibility um, and the responsibility of the team is to bring the best talent into the Financial Times. So when we are recruiting for a role or going out to market looking for someone to join us, my team will be at the forefront of that and leading that process. So we will be advertising all of our live roles. We will be interviewing and phone screening prospective candidates. Um, we will then be managing their journey through the interview process um, and sort of coaching and advising them as a candidate through that interview process. But also on the other side, supporting and coaching and advising the business as well in terms of how to best assess talent, you know, what we should be looking for, how we should be interviewing people, the importance of candidate experience, um, and everything then that comes alongside that. So I guess our our focus is is two pronged really. You know, we have the the candidate side that we manage, and we try and give you know everyone that interacts with the FT sort of the the best possible experience that we can. But we also then manage the business side in terms of, as I said, coaching the managers, um, you know, supporting them through that hiring process, ensuring that we're bringing you know the the best talent, the best most diverse talent into the FT sort of as as quickly and as seamlessly um, as we can do. So thank you so much, um, Cherry, for sharing this because I think it's quite interesting. We don't really. Uh, know how uh, most of the time we know more about traditional 
paths and structures. I think there is a bit of like, you know, gray area when it comes to HR in terms of like who is actually doing the hiring. I would love you to share this because you just talked about the two streams, basically your function, but also the managers that need to do the hiring. And I think this is not really um, very clear from a candidate perspective what will happen to them. So let's imagine some of our listeners might soon drop a CV. Uh, into the FT uh, job board uh, greenhouse. So what does it happen to that CV? Yes, good question. Um, so it doesn't just disappear into a black hole somewhere, that's fine. Okay. Um, so every CV that comes into the Financial Times is reviewed by one of the recruitment team. Um, so we will review that CV against the criteria of the role that we are hiring for. So wh when we kick off the hiring process, we'll sit down with a hiring manager. Um, so either myself or one of the recruitment team will sit down with the hiring manager and they will go through the key requirements of that position that we're looking to hire. So, you know, what experience do we require? What attitude? What skills are we looking for? What's the interview process that we're going to run? How are we going to assess whether that person's a good fit for the role? And then we will kick off the recruitment process from there. So once you apply to a role at the Financial Times, your CV, as I said, will be reviewed by one of the recruitment teams. So we will be looking at that CV um, and checking how closely it aligns in with the the requirements of the role that we're recruiting for. So if it's, you know, a sort of a mid to senior level role where there are, um, you know, prior experience needs and we have, um, you know, you have we have requirements for that role, then obviously we'll assess them against that. If it's a more junior position where the prior experience is not as important or it's an entry-level position, what we'll be looking for in that CV is evidence of the candidate doing their research around the Financial Times, um, you know, evidence that they're applying for this role and they want to apply for this role in particular rather than they've just sort of fired their CV off for hundreds of different opportunities. That's absolutely fine if you do that. That's not a problem. But maybe, you know, when you are firing your CV off, then you're tweaking it to, to the application that you're, to the role that you're applying for. So um, we, as I said, for an entry level role, it's less about sort of previous experience or skills. It's more about what you can demonstrate sort of during your education or outside of your education that we think would be beneficial um, to a role here at the FT. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I would love to, you know, um, delve deep into this CV um, analysis. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing that Cherry looks into a curriculum of an entry-level position. I would say the main three points for me would be when I'm looking at an entry-level CV, it's one, make sure it's tidy and it looks professional. Yeah. Um, two, make sure it links back. There's some reference in your CV linking back to why you've applied to the FT or what you could bring. And then three, again, link it back to things that you've done outside of um you know, work that could be supportive um, or that could support your application or could support um, your role if you were to be successful in getting it. And in terms of like, you know, definitely the CV um, can showcase the things that you have done and um, 
it might give you an idea of the approach you have. But before really meeting a person, it's uh, it's difficult to understand uh, how good they are with, uh, you know, communication or like empathy, emotional intelligence and so on. But I've, I think are quite important if we wanted, you know, to have the right candidate that meets our culture, right? But I think the right fit is all about the culture uh, most of the time. So uh, what's your, um, how do you analyze uh, the soft skills of yeah, that that's person. a really good question. Um, that is a really good question. So I I think in your CV, it's very hard to tell yeah. that. So again, if we're going back to your CV um, and, and your application, you know, again, if you've created some Instagram videos or TikTok videos or you've done a vlog or something, a YouTube vlog, you could include a link to that. And if it's got then you featured in that, I think we can find out lots more about you um, than obviously just words written on a piece of paper. Um, so anything creative that you've got, you can always include in your CV um, because I think that that will, that will strengthen your application. Um, I think how we assess soft skills then um, would be when we come to interview that candidate, it would be about have they taken the time to properly understand what the role is that they're applying for? Have they taken the time to do a bit of research on the FT and what we do um, and sort of what we stand for as an organisation? And have they taken the time to perhaps look at their interviewer, look up their interviewer and see what their background is? I think that's incredibly powerful, um, you know, when you're having a conversation, particularly with sort of an entry-level candidate, is... You know, if they can say, oh, Cherry, I looked you up on LinkedIn and I can see that you've been at the FT for three and a half years. Like, what's made you stay there for that long? Like, to me, that's like, oh, wow, they've done their research. Okay. Or like, I've read this particularly interesting article that you posted um, on Elon Musk around Twitter, like a couple of weeks ago on the FT. And I found it fascinating because of X, Y and Z. So I think it's, as I said, when we're not assessing hard skills, um, the soft skills that we look for are that proactivity, curiosity, you know, someone that has taken the time um, to research and to, to be prepared for those conversations. So Cherry wouldn't consider that stalking. So she, <laughs> yeah. she's... I mean, if you want to look me up on LinkedIn, that's fine. Like I have an All right. profile. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so maybe let's... don't look at other people's like other social medias, but LinkedIn is absolutely fine. But I think I think it's important because sometimes you know you might feel like, oh my god, if I reference to Beth, they, she might think you know I've been stalking her for the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> she's posted that. Yeah, I mean, let's keep it to a normal level. Yeah. If you start sort of saying, oh, I looked at your Instagram from three years ago, that might be a bit no. concerning. Okay. Um, but if you, you <laughs> Know, followed okay. something that I've said on LinkedIn. Absolutely fine. All right. So <laughs> the social media that you can reference to is LinkedIn. Yeah. Highly suggested. So, um, but yes, it's very important to research the person that you are going to have a conversation with. And uh, I think it's really important to create that emotional and human bond even during the interview. So I, you have also started and really worked very hard here at FT uh, into the, the blog of FT, so Life at, uh, at FT, that really gives an overview, so check it out, about the Financial Times activities, the things that we are doing internally and, and so on. In the hiring process, we know how important is the mission of a company, how you talk about yourself, what are your values, that's what Gen Z is asking us and why they should stay with us is our culture. It's not just the, how great we are at doing journalism, right? So um, how do you do your role in such a, you know, a, a bit of a different culture? Yeah, so I... Compared to American I think, one, for example. You know, we're, we're lucky here in the UK that the FT 
you know, is quite well known. Um, and, you know, we do have a, a strong brand and it's well regarded. So that often is a draw to candidates, which is great. Um, you know, they hear the FT name and they think, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds quite impressive. Um, but I also think in some ways um, that can also be a little bit intimidating um, for some people because, um, you know, because the FT is so well regarded and we, you know, we write about sort of quite serious topics um, a lot of the time. But that doesn't mean that the way that we act as a business or, um, you know, when you come into the FT that we're all serious 100% of the time. So I think um, we're lucky because our, our brand is strong and it, and it does attract talent to the FT, which is which is great. But I think we could do, um, and we are trying to do, a little bit more around um, talking about our culture and what we offer externally because I think people coming into the FT are often shocked as to perhaps, you know, that it's not as corporate as people would think. Um, and, you know, we are more innovative um, and sort of forward-thinking than people would think. And also we're more fun than people yeah. would think as yeah. well so I think there's a little bit more that we can do there to kind of yeah. get that message out and say you know we are like we're accessible yeah. come we want you know we want bright young talent yeah. to come to us yeah. um you know you don't have to you know just want to be a sort of a, a business journalist to join the FT you know we want all different perspectives and people from all different industries and sectors yeah. because we we hire for so many different types of roles it will make you stand out against other candidates um you know if you can really really demonstrate that um you know you've done your research around the role um what it involves what it in, it includes um you know what you would be doing on a day-to-day -day basis and then also you've done your research on the FT and our our mission and our vision um as well i think that will stand you in in, in really, really good stead, and um, particularly for those entry-level roles. All right. And in terms of, like, you know, a change of career path, mm -hmm. might be, you know, like um, entry mid-level, someone that maybe is from a very different sector but is quite interested in the FT, and we are seeing this quite a lot. What is your advice when you are trying to explain why you changed an industry? I think it's having a really good and strong reasoning for why you're looking to shift industry um, because you'll be being you'll likely be being assessed against either candidates that have experience yeah. in that space or again if you're looking to shift industry and go back into a more entry level role you'll be yeah. you'll be being assessed against very different profiles yeah. so I think it's um, you know really taking the time to explain why you want to pivot um you know the thought process and the reasoning behind that and then what you think you can bring perhaps from your prior experience or your previous roles that would be transferable into this new sector or this new industry um and really trying to highlight those pieces um i think is important there last piece of advice uh from you cherry maybe someone uh, over, over here listening and watching us, um, they would love to build a career in talent acquisition. Um, what have you developed? What you would advise this uh, younger person to do uh, in terms of like things they should be studying? researching a bit more and maybe start developing from a soft skills perspective? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, so I think... Um 
the talent acquisition is very much about the soft skills and being able to build relationships, being able to interact with, you know, all different types of people from different industries, different backgrounds at different levels. You know, when I started off my career, one day I might have been talking to someone that had just come out of university and was looking for a job. The next day I might have been talking to a CEO of a company and they're looking to hire. So I had to be able to you know, change my approach and sort of change the way that that, that I interacted and I communicated with people um, to suit, obviously, sort of their style um, and where they were at, um, sort of in in their kind of career journey or you know in their in their lives. Um, so I think, you know, communication skills definitely. Um, you know, work around you know being able to build relationships, as I said, with with different people. Um, and I think in terms of the harder skills. Um, it's more about researching the industry that you want to get into. So you know you could do you could do a qualification in HR, absolutely, and that would be very very beneficial and very helpful. But it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the recruitment um, professionals I know they've learned on the job. Yeah. Um, so you go in, you you get under the skin of the industry. Um, you know, you start to understand the different positions that you're recruiting for the different company that you know companies that you might be working for. Um, and then so that when you're then interacting with your hiring managers internally um, for the business that you're recruiting for, you can confidently talk about their role and what they do. So I think it's it can be difficult sometimes in recruitment because we don't actually do the jobs that we're recruiting for every day, but we have to have a good enough understanding of them to be able to go out and attract talent and be able to go out and tell talent about what they'll be doing on a day-to-day basis um, and be able to then field questions that they would have in response. So I'd say it's, um, you know, build your soft skills, your relationship building skills. I think organisation, when it comes to recruitment, you're spinning many different plates. You might have sort of 15 different vacancies that you're working on. So each vacancy might have 10 or 15 candidates. So that's a lot of candidates that you need to keep in touch with, um, you know, and be going back to and feeding back to. Um, So definitely being an organised person, being a kind of you don't have to be sort of a confident person, but I think someone that is able to, as I said, build relationships um, with individuals um, and then going out, as I said, and getting some good knowledge and good understanding of um, the industry or the sector that you want to work in. And also, I think kind of like, you know, what you were saying, managing expectations from uh, so many different people. How do you give a bad news to a candidate that wasn't successful. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the least favorite part of my job, definitely. The the best part of my job is delivering good news when someone's got the job and saying, you know, you've got an offer. Um, delivering bad news is, is never nice. Um, and, you know, it's something that we have to do an awful lot because yeah. for every one person that gets the job, there's a number that, that don't. Yeah. So what we try and do is make that feedback as constructive as possible. So we try and tell candidates, um, you know, why they haven't been selected or what they could then, you know, work on a little bit more in other application processes. Um, I think if you can give them something to take away, then then they'll feel more positive about it. And I always say to all candidates, um, you know, at all levels, any interview is good interview practice. You know, the more interviews you do, the more confident you'll get the more comfortable you'll feel in like being interviewed um I think especially when you're starting out in your career you can be you can think oh my god I'm really nervous about this interview and like it it affects the way that you talk in the interview it affects you know the answers that you give but I think as well just you know then 
feeding back to those candidates, that's all good experience because the next interview that you go into, you're going to be a little bit better. And the next one after that, you're going to be a little bit better again because you'll learn something from every interview. Um, Learn by doing. Yeah. And I also say to candidates again, when I'm prepping them for interviews that, you know, don't be scared of your interviewer. They're just a human being too. You know, they've they've been where you've been at some point in their career. It might have been fairly recently. So, um, you know, interviews should be a two-way street. Um, and yeah, I think people can sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed um, by the thought of, oh, I'm meeting someone that's much more senior than me. Um, you know, they must know an awful lot more than me. Um, as I said, you know, they've, they've been where you've been and they'll they'll be interviewing at some point too and they'll probably feel nervous as well so just try and remember that when you're when you're interviewing that's a very good tip yeah. thank you very <laughs> much cherry and now we are at our lovely part of the show where uh, we are finally welcoming uh, part of uh, the challengers or ft talent uh, uh, team to ask directly questions to our experts so today uh, we have uh, laura that is doing a work experience with us at uh, uh, the ft talent team and uh, has been a challenger so tell a bit about uh, you in, in a second and haya that you know that is already part of the ft talent team that are going to ask to cherry uh, two questions Laura, tell us a bit about you and then ask your question directly to Cherry. So uh, I'm Laura and I'm from Italy and I did the um, FT Challenge Made in Italy this year. And I think it's been like an amazing experience and I suggest to everyone to <laughs> apply to experience. And um, yeah, so I'm studying marketing. I'm graduating with my master's. And my question to you is, um, uh, how do you overcome uh, uh, rejection emails? So like the feeling of receiving these emails where you have been rejected? Mm, I th so I think rejection is a part of life, unfortunately. Um, you know, and we're going to experience it in all elements of our life um, and particularly maybe in, in job searches sometimes. So I think just you have to try and not let it get you down. And I know sometimes that can be easier said than done. Um, but I think you have to treat each application as if it was a fresh and new one. So you have to park that rejection as I said earlier, you know, perhaps learn from that rejection. So was there something that you could have done differently in that interview? Um, you know, could you follow up with um, the person that you met with to get a little bit more feedback, to get a little bit more um, info about, you know, areas that you could have spoken about more? So I think use every rejection as a learning opportunity and see it as a learning opportunity. Um, you know, as I said, it's going to, it will continue rejection is a, is a part of life so um, I think you just have to try and compartmentalize that and also realize that you know you're not the only one that's feeling this like this is very common um, you know even super successful senior people they'll get rejected for jobs as well and I'm sure it will get them down but um, you know then they have to pick themselves up and, and, and start again and as I said they can use that as a, as a learning opportunity. Hiya. Hello nice to meet you Sherry. Uh, my name is Haya, and I was a participant of the first edition in 2018. Um, and now I'm in the FT Talent team as a business development associate. And so my question to you, Sherry, is as the global head of talent acquisition, what does your typical day look like? Good question. So for me, no two days are the same, which is great and which is why I love the role. So um, my days are they're, they're pretty varied. So I might spend some of my days interviewing candidates um you know for specific roles that we've got that might be phone interviews that might be face-to-face -face interviews i might spend some of my day then reviewing candidate cvs and applications that have come in for for roles that i'm working on um other parts of my day i will spend 
working with my team and helping them with you know the, the projects that they've got on and the roles that, that they're recruiting for and sort of guiding them and supporting them throughout that process um and the other part of my day will probably be interacting with managers and stakeholders from across the FT. So talking to them about their live roles, um, you know, how the processes are going, um, talking to them about their hiring plans, you know, what they're looking for over the next quarter, you know, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, um, and how we can support them um, as, as, an, as a team um, from a hiring perspective. So very varied um you know it can go from sort of the kind of the, the more mundane tasks of sifting through cvs up to you know a meeting with someone you know particularly senior um at the ft to discuss their sort of five-year hiring strategy um so it's yeah it's no two days are the same here which is which is great Thank you so much, Laura and Haya, for your questions. But thank you so much to you, Cherry, for being with us. Uh, I really, really appreciated uh, your transparency around the role, things that also have been maybe challenging you and uh, your career path. And of course, uh, you know, you can uh, and you should check it out of the uh, blog Life at VFT that uh, Cherry's team is uh, curating and all the things that, of course, from an internal cultural perspective, we are doing and developing here to make these uh, as uh, um, clear to us as employees, uh, also for external people, how lovely it is to work for the Financial Times. And that's definitely also thanks to Cherry's job in the last uh, uh, three years and a half. So thank you so much, Cherry, for being part of the talent show. Can't wait to see you again. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. This has been The Talent Show, which is produced by the FT Talent Team, Aya Al-Shihabi, and me, Virginia Stagni. Our podcast producer, editor and sound engineer is Arturo Ochoa, and our social media producer is Letizia Clementi. Our music is by Dennis Kishuk. Check out all of the Talent Show episodes at fttalent.ft.com, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow FT Talent on socials for updates. Until next time, and keep listening. Keep listening.